0: This is the John Clayton Show
1: on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host,
2: the professor,
0: John Clayton.
3: 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Bottom of the hour, Shannon Dreher joining us. Talk Mariners and talk labor in baseball. Let's go to Chris in Port Ludlow. Hey, Chris. Hey, professor. Yes.
4: Um, I think Green Bay is a perfect example of why you don't let your quarterback construct your roster. Uh Uh, A couple years ago, they drafted Dylan in the second round, and Rodgers was openly unhappy that they didn't get another wide receiver. Well, Dylan is an absolute hammer who puts a heavy hurt on the three guys trying to tackle him, and he's a big part of their offense. So all this talk that Russell needs more say in the roster, I just think that's a mistake.
3: Well I mean I think that you, you if your quarterbacks that good like Rodgers or Wilson you want him involved in some way just to make sure he's comfortable with what what he gets you know because one thing with Russell not maybe not uh Aaron Rodgers is that you know Russell will get the guys together in California and work with them there and uh which I think is good for building team chemistry and, you know, getting everybody working in the off season, trying to do that. And so, uh, but I think it's important that you have some involvement, but again, he's not the GM and the player's not the GM.
4: Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, yeah. Pete Carroll said on the salt show that 60 million goes really fast. When yeah. you think of all the guys, they've got to resign.
3: Yeah, it, it does go fast, and then 70 million, but it's like, uh, no, you're right. It's going to go fast because, you know, even if you pay just, you know, a little over $5 million for Rashad Penny, it's going to cost a lot for DJ Reed. It's going to cost for, uh, you know, certainly uh, Quandre Diggs. And, uh, you know, they've got other guys to try to resign. You know, you got seven starters. I mean, right now, I mean, George Everett was like $6 million. I don't know if that's going to go up or stay the way it is. But that's those are the type of things that, you know, you have to figure. And then, you know, it, it does go fast. But again... This team has never had this much cap room. So it's like uh, we can talk about how fast the money's going to go, but the money is there. I mean, I think they're number five right now in cap room.
4: Yeah, but Dwayne Brown has to be re-signed. I think you have to re-sign Carlos Dunlap. Yeah. I I think you have to re-sign Rasheem Green, who quietly had a very good year, is only 24 and is right. going to attract a lot of interest out there.
3: Mm-hmm. No, I think that, uh, you know, those are those are really good players. And, uh, you know, it's like you got to try to take care of as many as you can and just, you know, continue to build from the roster and then go out and get a few free agents.
4: Yeah, I think at center in particular. I mean, nothing against BOSIC, but mm-hmm. they need an upgrade at center.
3: Yeah. No, but again, it's like I think they have the ability to do that. Who would they get? I don't know. I mean, it's too early to say. You got 356 free agents right now, so it's like sorting through them, seeing what other teams are going to do as far as keeping their own players. Too early to tell.
4: Okay. Well, I hope they have a good year, yeah. and I'll be even more hopeful if Russ gets starts getting rid of the ball faster.
3: Well, and he did this year.
4: Yeah, but it's not like you know. No, I'm gonna. It's not like you know Rogers or Brady. That ball is gone as mm-hmm. soon as they see what Agreed. they want or it's out of yeah. bounds.
3: Yeah. But, again, he's a different quarterback than those two because he's got the running ability and the escape ability, so he is going to hold on to the ball longer. But, again, I think he I, – I have to look at the end stats on next-gen stats, but, uh, you know, I think he went from, like, 2.97 as far as holding the ball to about 2.86, something of that nature.
4: Well, better. that's better.
3: Yeah, it is better. Not perfect. Okay. But
4: well, go see Ox.
3: Okay. Sounds good. 866 979 ESPN, 206 421 ESPN. Let's go to BJ in Auburn. Hey, BJ.
5: Yeah. Good morning, John. Good morning. I was curious a little bit about the uh, transfer portal in college football. Yeah. Are these guys like completely unrestricted free agents where they can jump from team to team? I mean, what? Yeah.
3: I think pretty much, I again, not knowing it because I don't c- cover college uh, that much, but, again, I think that th- there's more freedom right now for a lot of these players in the transfer portal. You know, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's like you get in the portal and you leave.
5: Yeah, well, I understand that that portal right now is kind of clogged in that, oh, yeah. you know, maybe some of those players won't land.
3: Well, that's... You know it does happen. I mean, yeah, like, you know, I saw what uh, in today's paper that uh, you know Washington was able to get a wide receiver out of the portal, and so it's like uh, you know. But there, there's enough movement and stuff like that. You know they've lost guys in the portal, so it's yeah. like I, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be a college football coach. It's just too crazy.
5: No, no, and I think that's one reason why Lincoln Riley decided to go to USC. And there was also talk about maybe Caleb Wentz, Caleb Williams, Uh you know, following him. But on the part of Caleb's, I'm I'm thinking he would be better off to stay with Oklahoma because they're closer to the the top of the, uh, the spectrum as far as uh, teams that are going to be in the playoffs or this and that than USC is. And if he should win the Heisman, I mean, mm-hmm. that could put you know probably put six or seven million dollars in his pocket.
3: Agreed. Yeah, yeah. So. That's
5: to, to me that's amazing. But I think it's long overdue. It's it's a billion dollar business, multi billion, and these players, these you know, they pay for the athletics programs in at their mm-hmm. universities. They they do deserve to get paid something.
3: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, right now I think it's maybe a little bit too much, but then hey, you know, it's a free market. It's uh, yeah. it's America and all that stuff and you know, the economics are now in favor of the players, which is long long overdue that I agree with. But when you're talking about, you know, a player that can get, you know, several million dollars and all that stuff, that's just so different. But, uh, I mean, my only, my big fear is all it's going to do is enhance the value of the SEC teams and also the ACC teams, and then it's just going to leave, you know, the Pac-12 teams, you know, Pac-10 teams, and, and, and you know, it's like all the all these other teams you know, and all these other conferences in a, in a bad state where they're never going to be able to catch up. Yeah,
5: I remember back in the early 90s when, one of the Husky quarterbacks received a, a, a Jeep from, uh, yeah. from an alum or something. They got sanctions and all, and all sorts of penalties, and I thought that was ridiculous, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Now, I'm looking at the NFL playoffs, too, John. Yeah, And uh, I was curious about one thing in that uh, Charger-Raider uh, game. Mm-hmm. If they would have tied and both teams go into the playoffs, wouldn't the Raiders have gone into Arrowhead Stadium the way it was set up?
3: Yeah, they would have, yeah.
5: Well, I don't blame them at all for doing what they could to win. Because yeah, but I, tell you,
3: but I tell you what, you, we, you, you can say that, but uh, when it was 38 seconds left and you know, uh, Brandon Staley made the mistake of calling the timeout, uh, they were actually thinking about just running out the clock and taking the tie and doing it. I know, yeah. Uh, And then, you know, once they had a chance to use the timeout, then they said, you know what, let's go with this running play. They were at the 40, which would have been a 57-yard field goal, which they wouldn't have made, even though Daniel Carlson was great. But then they get 10 yards. Daniel Carlson gets the game-winning field goal. But
5: still, I think the Raiders have a little bit better shot in Cincinnati than they would have had in the Oh, no doubt.
3: Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, so we'll see how the Raiders do. That was
5: Taylor's fault. That was a big, big
3: Closing, uh, Staley Bunder. made a big Staley made a big mistake.
5: Yeah, and I'm I'm looking at uh, Dallas and San Francisco uh-huh. too. And the one handicap a lot of people don't realize that, Dan, that Dallas has is Mike McCarthy.
2: Uh-huh.
5: He, he he's he's bad time management and and the games that he's lost. It's when they ha- they haven't run the ball for 100 yards. I think you're undefeated when they run the ball for 100 yards or better. Mm-hmm. And for him to sit there and, and you know, let that just throw the ball and throw the ball and not concentrate on running, I do think Zeke Elliott is one of the most overpaid players in football, too, yeah, for yeah. his production value right now. And the Seahawks, the last thing I wanted to touch on is – uh Last year at the end of the season, was Chicago one of the uh, the, the, the cities that uh, Russell Wilson would have been willing to go to uh yes it was well I'm thinking of our, our situation would be now if we would have had the draft picks we could have we could have had Max Jones in a rookie contract uh... at... Oh, Come John, on! I caught you up for the, Come the draft, on. About a couple of weeks before, and I thought of, talked about that. You said, well, if we trade Russell Wilson, we'll be a six or seven-win uh, team.
3: No, there'll be worse than that.
5: Here we are. We're a seven-win team with Russell Wilson.
3: Stop have- the Wilson trade talk. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it.
5: Okay. okay, John, thanks for your time.
3: Okay, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Why do people keep doing that? It's stupid. I mean, it's like it's not happening. I mean, he never asked for a trade. And it's like, uh, you know, you can get all these draft choices, Mac Jones and everything else. Is Mac Jones ever going to be as good as Russell Wilson? And the answer is no. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866 979 ESPN,
3: 206421 ESPN. Let's go to Mike in Federal Way. Hey, Mike. Hey, good morning, John. Thanks. Good morning.
6: I have a question in terms of uh, assistant coaches that be um, headed for or considered for yeah. uh, head coaching positions, and I was wondering if you could rank them. But my first question is about Eric Bieniemy,
3: yeah,
6: um, and Andy Reid's o- OC. Now he's tried now for the last two or three years, and um, what do you think the knock is? I think he's, you know, from I think he's a really smart guy in terms of the offense. He's been he's been running there in Kansas City and the development of homes. I mean. Is it to the fact, and here's, and this is probably way off, but is it mm-hmm. to the fact that I see Andy Reid also with a play sheet, a play call sheet, and, and do do owners and GMs, are they looking at that going, who's calling what? I mean, ex- expand on that for me. From, and, and, from
3: what I gather, I mean, Eric's problem is he struggles in the interviews. Now, he's a okay. smart guy. And right you know, for what, whatever he does in the interviews tends to turn off those who might be willing to hire him. I don't know what he does, what he says, how he does it, but that seems to be where the problem is.
6: Now, do you think, you would think then Coach Reed would, I guess, coach him up, yeah. you know, to, or, or their GM to, mm-hmm. you know, say, hey, this is what we're looking at, you know, kind of a run. I, I'm sure they go through a run through like that, right? I mean, that's,
3: well you no know, well not not necessarily no because okay. you know, understand that you know here's the enemy and he's doing this on uh you know teams that have been to two super bowls now where's yeah, the time right. to where's the time to coach him up because again right. you can have the zoom yeah. in you can have the zoom interview but then you're taking away from the time that you could be working on the game plan or time to be working on the game itself
6: gotcha so rank these three for me, then. Who do you think will be the first one to get the job? Eric Bien-Aimé, uh Todd Bowles, I believe, is the D.C. for Tampa, and then Byron Leftwich is also down there. I think he's no mm-hmm. C. or quarterback. So who, who do you think is the first one out of those three in terms of getting a job? Because I think they're all really smart Yeah, but I, that,
3: I I mean, I, the problem is is that you can't judge it by who's the first one because they're all still in the playoffs. And until they're out of the play, then they're out, until they're out of the playoffs, they they can't be hired. Got. It. But
6: in terms of just if, just in terms of, I, let's say, my question is, I guess, out of those three, who would be the the top? You know what I mean, I'm saying? I, well, I, I mean. mean, I know for ja- get, for
3: Jacksonville, I'm, I think it'd be Lefwich. But again, what what if the Bucks go back to the Super Bowl?
6: Well, I know, So, because the teams are going to want to hire a guy before that point, right? Is that what you're kind of the point you're making? Yeah,
3: you'd like to, but again, it's like, because remember, not only are you working on the head coach, but the new head coach has to work on a coaching staff.
6: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I see your point, so. Okay, hey, thanks for the info. I appreciate it. Have a great day. All right, thank
3: you. Let's go to
6: Dre.
3: Dre,
1: how are you? No, I'm doing good John. Thanks for having me. Uh yeah, just to summarize this Seahawks season, I think it it comes down to Russell Wilson. It yeah. really does uh third downs. Uh too many three and outs. Uh I think I was more I was more a uh, uh, upset a lot this year, John, with the pre- the post game press conferences with Russell Wilson. It kind of, I was kind of bewil- bewildered to a certain extent. Especially it started first, I think, after the, the Titans game, mm-hmm. uh, after, after Pete Carroll already talked at the podium and basically called Russell Wilson out. He didn't come through for us to a certain extent. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but yeah. uh, and then they asked him afterwards. Uh, they asked Russell Wilson, "How your coach said that you do re- basically, uh, you know, this, and that, uh, uh, you know." And you know when Russell Wilson' response was, "Hey, we, we scored. Well, hey, we scored 30 points. Yeah, yeah. But you were up 30 to 16 going into the fourth quarter. What happened? I think. Uh, I think that's going to be the, the the thing that they have to deal with the most is third down converting on third down. Yeah, they converted short yardage last five weeks of the season. But I think the first ten weeks. Mm-hmm. third and one and third and two. It was almost like third and ten in this team. I know. I think it's always been that way for a long time. Not just this year, John. Short yardage is the main concern also. Time of possession is because of too many three and outs. Remember, they were ahead, John, at halftime against the Vikings. They were ahead, John, a Titans game. They were ahead of a lot of games this year in the first part of the season. And they just, they just hit a wall. Now I'm not sure if they hit a wall because they a lot of these starters and deep on offense and defense didn't play in the, in the preseason or not. But the second half of the games, they hit a wall the first three or four weeks. And I have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Now, Russell Wilson is a 240-yard quarterback, two, three, two touchdowns, three touchdowns, a game quarterback. We saw that in the Arizona game, the last game of the season. Right Now, now Jared Goff would have played that Detroit game, I think it would have been a lot closer than a lot of people think. Remember, they only had one two games going into that game, Detroit, John. They only won two games, and the two games they beat, they blew out Arizona. They beat the Vikings, who we lost to, and they tied with the Steelers, who we also lost to. Mm-hmm. So for all these people talking about, oh, well, you know, uh, we blew out Detroit, da-da-da, I think it's Gerald Coffman, but he didn't play, so that's a whole different story. But he, Russell Wilson, you know, you keep on hearing he wants to you know, he wants to get MVPs, and this and that, but Russell Wilson is a 240-yard game, 19 for 27 for 240-yard game. He passed for 238 in the Arizona game for three touchdowns. That's the kind of quarterback that you're going to get. If he wants to three hundred yards a game, you're not going to get that from Russell Wilson. He is what you saw in that Arizona game. I'm glad I saw some of that. But Cal, you got to get, you got to get DK Metcalf the ball more. You got to find mm-hmm. some way to get him. He's a Calvin Johnson right there in front of your eyes. He's a fifteen hundred yard wide receiver a year. Yeah, he, there's no way in the world he's going to have forty three yards to to get a thousand yards. I mean, think a That's an embarrassment. Try to get him the ball. Third down and off on defense. You gotta stop these guys on third down. Get them off the field. That's why these backup quarterbacks, third string quarterbacks, are having career games because on uh, yardage and and your last in passing yardage in the NFL because you're on the field, yes I know, way too long because of the three and outs on offense, but you gotta get together. And the time is now. Russell Wilson, everybody thinks uh, he's a, you know he's not a 300 yard quarterback. You might get a 300 yard game maybe once or twice out of him a year, but still, John, third down is the key. Remember, I started off the season. I said mm-hmm. this is a very simple game. Get convert on third down on offense and stop teams on third down on defense, especially third and long. You know what I'm saying, John?
3: Yeah, I take you, the worst thing. Uh, see if you agree with this. The worst thing that happened was last year in the off season. Uh, When they had the let Russ cook theme going, because, you know, with the let, let Russ cook and passing the ball more, the interceptions rose, the mistakes rose, you know, then trying to be that 300 yard quarterback turned into a disaster. Yes, he made a lot of
1: bad throws, John. He made bad throws, and he threw picks in the end zone. Remember the Miami game? He threw a pick in the end zone. He threw a pick in the Buffalo game in the end zone. He threw a pick in the Rams game in the end zone last year. Mm -hmm. Let Russ cook Russell Wilson. The bad thing, and another post-game thing he said this year, after the Arizona game here, the Seattle game, I only made a couple bad throws. Quote, I only made a couple bad throws. No, Russ, you made more than a couple bad throws. And I think... Sometimes he doesn't see he want in his own mind. And remember, John, he's one of those guys that he goes he goes down the whole sidelines and, and congratulations the pair. Hey, we can come back, we can come back. We didn't see a lot of that this year. Only when they were ahead, he congratulated everybody. But a lot of times you saw him on the bench by himself yep. holding that, that tablet, and that was it. So let's get it together. Convert on third, down, no more, so many, three and out. Let's get the job done. Why not us, Russell Wilson? Why not us, the fans? We are wanting you to do better. Yes, you had a bad year. We'll put that. Up. We'll, get, we'll, we'll, get, we'll 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 give you the benefit of the doubt. But you're you're allowed to maybe have a bad year. But still, uh, I think you need. I think the main reason why they're seven and ten. I think because of poor throws by Russell Wilson this year and the
3: three and outs. Well, of course. I mean, you know, missing three games and then playing bad for three games. That didn't help. Oh, he was playing bad. He was playing bad before
1: he he got hurt though too. He was making some bad throws. Uh, 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 you know, un, 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 unlike we see with Russell Wilson before that, Rams game, John, he was playing a little bit bad before that because, remember, the three and out started, I believe, in that Titans game, and then it started again in the second half of that Vikings yeah. game. Look back at those games. Look at those throws that he, normally he makes. He's not making those throws. He didn't make those throws this year.
3: No doubt. Hey, Dre,
1: great call. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, John. Have a great weekend.
3: All right, thank you. Coming up next, Shannon Dreyer. This is the John Clayton Show on
1: 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com.
3: And joining us is Shannon Dreyer. Shannon, always good to be with you. How in danger is spring training right now?
0: Uh, You know what? I think it is in danger, but I've always thought it was in danger. And when we talk about being in danger, I think we mean it's probably going to be pushed back a bit and probably shortened. And one of the reasons I I think I've thought this all along is obviously just the nature of how these things go and things don't get done until the end. And then there's going to be the question that you have to answer. Well, it's not like they can just come to agreement on the CBA and the lockout and go straight to spring training. You still have a lot of free agents out there. You still are missing, you know, two months or a month and a half of the off season at that point, teams are not quite done. They'll have to accommodate that somehow. And then the other thing is, is that, you know, when they had the original COVID shutdown and the restart, I think people kind of took a close look at it and and kind of, we're trying to figure out, well, how much spring training do you really need? And so I don't think that either side is looking at it as, You've got to have the full, you know, two weeks before the games begin and then the full month of March. I think they think that there is some wiggle room in there that they can shorten spring training and still start the season on time. So I have all along thought that spring training would probably be pushed back a little bit. I think now the thing that you keep an eye on and the most important thing is, is is the regular season start date impacted.
3: Yeah, I mean, and right now, I mean, is there, there doesn't seem to be, I don't know, maybe it's on the Players Association side or the owner side. The urgency right now to have enough meetings to get anything done.
0: Yeah, I think what we ideally would like to see is picture in your mind as everybody sits down at a table and they actually discuss things, and there's actual give and take, and that's not really the process. The process has been, you know, in recent years, here's our proposal, and then, Counter proposal, and what we saw when they were trying to negotiate a shorter season was: here's our proposal. The other side saying, "Nope, don't like it," and then nothing. There, there really was, you know, no negotiation. Well, how about a little bit of this, and how about a little bit of that? It, it seemed to be absolute on both sides, and so you know, you're not seeing that back and forth. And as far as you know, it, you know does it look like they're taking their time? Well, in, in some ways, yes. Because the expectation is always nothing's really going to get done until something is really on the line, with that deadline being the season itself. So uh, that's why you didn't see a lot of, of back, why you didn't see anything in the month of December. It, it's not a situation where they're just going to lock themselves in rooms and figure this out. It's a situation where they're going to try and leverage well, what they have, the time that they have, the deadlines that they have, and go from there. And then it's a matter of reviewing proposals and then submitting counter-proposals, and that takes longer.
3: What are the main issues right now that's the difference between Major League Baseball and the players?
0: The biggest thing, you know, obviously, it's going to be compensation. And what you have seen, you know, you, you've got a gigantic – everybody wants a big, big piece of the pie, and, and that pie has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger for Major League Baseball. And what we're seeing at this point is, you know, the need for some major change. It's not little tweaks here and there. It's not little adjustments. And it's not really things that I think that they think, well, maybe we get this done in this CBA and then, you know, another big issue in the next. What we have seen in the game in, in recent years, and you, you think about all of the numbers that you hear about in the game and how everything is measured right now, that has really changed the balance in baseball and this is the main issue right now you know players are under club control once they meet make the major leagues for six years the first three years in those uh, club control years they receive a, a preset minimum the next three years they're arbitration eligible and arbitration is nothing more than the player's side says, hey, we would like this. And the owner's side said, this is what we're offering. And they either take it or they take it to arbitration. And the arbiter, there's no middle ground. He picks one or the other. Now, the problem right now is within the old model. And, you know, for those that don't know, even these arbitration numbers, uh, even a good arbitration salary is going to, typically be far less than what they would make as free agents. The problem with the old system or the current system and how things have typically worked in baseball is baseball players would be under control by that team for six years, and when they got out as free agents, they would often be paid for what they did in those previous arbitration years. So if you build yourself up and you are, you know, getting putting in the good numbers and everything else, it may be another team that is paying that, but you've upped your value. With the metrics and the evaluation systems, scouting and everything that teams have available to them now to evaluate, teams don't really want to pay for what's already occurred now. So... Uh, A lot of times, and uh, it can be an age thing, you may have done all of these good things, but you might be turning 30, and now teams will look at, well, this player's going to start to fall off, or this number indicates that. So they are no longer getting paid for what they did in the past. And I think that the, the salaries that are being offered And this doesn't apply to the upper tiers. When you hear about the $30 million salaries, this appears more to your everyday ball player. Uh, That's not happening. They're not getting that bump and they're missing out on what they've already done. So something needs to be done there. And the players I think would like to have a shorter club control period. The teams are not going to go for that. And they've got to find some way to up that compensation. That is the biggest issue.
3: Uh, Understandable. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, and it seems like the differences are dramatic, you know, between the two sides.
0: Yeah, they are dramatic. This is, you know, this is one of, again, and these are not little things that they are negotiating. These are big things that are going to impact the game for years to come, but they are things that need to be taken care of. And, you know, in addition to that, there are smaller things. There are things like. Uh, you know, the DH, is it going to be in both leagues? And not such small things because they impact things financially, but you know, I think the owners would like to expand playoffs. There's a lot of dollars that are involved in that. How is that going to look? That is something that needs to be addressed as well in a collective bargaining agreement. So there are a lot of things that are going on right now, but uh, you know, the biggest thing is always going to be the financial and our teams and our play, our players being compensated appropriately. And uh, there are a lot of different ways that they can go with that. And we haven't heard a lot of proposals for that thus far. We've heard some small things, but not things that are going to be accepted. And that's where they need to get. They need to, to kind of find out or figure out how these players, the middle tier in particular and the lower tiers, are going to be compensated.
3: What seems to, uh, of the the way these things are going, affect the Mariners the most?
0: Uh, I, well, I think the biggest thing right now is not having an off season. I yeah. mean, this is a year where Jerry DePoto wants to spend. And uh, I think that, you know, they were wise to get things done early. And I, I think they made some significant steps in what they were able to do. But ideally, he would have had time to really you know, once things get going, to react. And you would have had months to, all well, if this fell through, we can explore this. Now it's going to be a sprint. You're going to be looking at days and maybe weeks. And I'm wondering if are we going to see deals being made during spring training? You know, how's that going to impact things? So as long as the big picture goes and the development goes, and this is the year that the Mariners are supposed to go once it starts up, and this was the off season where Jerry DePoto was really going to be doing things, and he still can, and he's done some things. I think that's been the biggest impact.
3: How does it affect right now this division and uh, the teams in this division?
0: I I think you know we don't know yet it, what the impact that it could have on the division, the CBA itself is—is is there going to be a salary floor? You know, are mm-hmm. the Oakland A's going to be required to spend more? And if they are required to spend more, what are they going to spend it on right now? They appear to be in a tear-down mode, and they would be very content in going out there and, and you know taking the step back and not doing much and not spending money. Well, what if they come out and say that you know, dictate? And I don't know if this would happen right away. It might begin next year. But teams have a minimum um, salary that they must pay, a minimum payroll that they must exhaust. If that were the case, would that change the A's plans? Would they be more competitive this this year or next? I think that that would probably be the most dramatic uh, impact that could have on, on the opponents.
3: Because it's been such a while since the uh, Mariners could make any deals and baseball players can make any deals and teams can make any deals, kind of sum up uh, what Jerry Depoto has been able to do so far uh, before the, the lock, lockdown came down.
0: Uh, he did some really important things, and and one of the things, and you're seeing it, and why he has done some things for many years right now, but, um, and we've seen it on the field that he values players that have positional flexibility, and uh, that has got right now where if they had to start the season today, everything would be covered. There, they they could and will and attempt to upgrade it, to but there are no glaring needs. There are no everything, every position is is full. But along those lines, even though every position is full right now, uh, he could move things around. If he is able to go out there and get a big impact player like a Trevor Story, or more specifically, what if he's able to land multiple impact players like a Chris Bryant and a Trevor Story, like maybe trade from Matt Chapman and a Trevor Story, uh, you still have the flexibility to do that and find a spot for everybody. Uh, it, what he has done so far is they add him, add, added Adam Frazier, uh, who, as if the season were to start today, would play second base. But if they went out and got Trevor Story, Adam uh, Adam Frazier could play in left field. He could be moved around the diamond. So that is something that will benefit them, especially when things get moving pretty quickly. And, of course, the biggest move he made uh, was signing Robbie Ray, and that gives the rotation. Top of the rotation starter would breakout stuff something that they have not had for a long time and all of a sudden that rotation is looking very very good with what you saw from you know chris flexen having a breakout season last year logan gilbert getting his first exposure marco gonzalez after a rough start really figuring it out in the second half and he would still like to add another veteran starter so uh you know along those lines he set himself up nicely
3: how's it look in the bullpen
0: the bullpen looks good, and my question right now is, you know, are they going to perhaps make a trade from the bullpen? Do they maybe find that outfielder or that last piece that they need in, in trading an arm? Uh, you look at what they did last year, and everybody will, if you, if you know the game, you know bullpens can be pickle, and they can be on fire one year and just an absolute dud the next. But what the um, what what you have coming back you got to keep an eye on them because a lot of those arms had the breakout years. Paul Sewald had the best season of his life. Uh, Drew Steckenreiter, I think you could say the same. Casey Sadler has been absolutely fantastic. He saw big turnarounds. But you also have other players coming. They had two injured players in Arizona all last year coming back from Tommy's John surgery, who should be of impact in the back end of that bullpen with Ken Giles and Andres Munoz. Munoz throws a triple digits on a regular basis and has been working with Giles um, and, and what I've been told is, you know, developed a good relationship and kind of that veteran and youngster uh, relationship, which is something you need when you are a potential back of the bullpen leverage type reliever. And Giles, of course, has all of the experience in the world. You could put him into any situation. So they are actually adding two impact arms from in-house to the bullpen. So you hope you have enough there to kind of uh, endure the bumps that can with uh, the the twists and the turns the bullpens take from year to year.
3: How's my neighbor uh, Scott Service holding up? Because uh, you know, with the way that the off season <laughs> is gone, and the Packers right now with the number one seed.
0: Yeah, I would imagine he is pretty happy about that. He has been out and about. You, you see, he's been at the Kraken games and uh, really representing well at all the other uh, sporting events. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's been enjoying his time in Seattle this off season. But I think what, of course, everybody would like to be doing is continuing to do that off season build and put together this roster. But you have to just sit back and wait at this point.
3: The biggest question right now: How tough is this going to be for you if you have delayed spring training or no spring training? <laughs> no Arizona.
0: I, you know, I think probably like just about everybody else, I'm about ready for a little sunshine right now. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: That will
0: definitely, yeah, that's going to leave a mark if we don't get to do that. But I, I think just one of the biggest things is is that when this is all said and done, there is a pretty exciting Mariners season ahead it's this team's going to look a little different you've already made a big addition and and ray i think they're going to do some more i am very excited to see with the uh, finish that they had in september as a team what jared kelnick did in september i want to get there and just kind of see what this looks like and hopefully what is the start Uh of of the go time for them this you know this should be it i think you put away all of the step back you i think you have put away it's time for the you know this year the youngsters it's about getting them experience at the big league level no this year is about going out competing and hopefully making the postseason and uh it's it's a fun thing to see it from start to finish
3: and it's also fun to be in the sun too
0: and that too
3: (laughs) yeah hey shannon as always thank you so much
0: Anytime, John.
3: Shannon Dreyer coming back. We'll take your phone calls, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com.
3: Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show, 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Commando Dave. David, how are you?
2: Hey, what's up, John Clayton? It's great to be back on the John Clayton Show, heading into Wild Card Weekend Plus One. Shout out to Matthew MC Nelson for getting me on the airways of 17 Cairo, home of the stay-at-home dads, Seattle Seahawks, so I can bring it to the show. And right out of the street, John Clayton, let me clean up a mess I made last Uh-oh. week by calling one of my favorite Husky football players, Mayor Bruce Harrell, by the name of one of my favorite basketball players, a member of that 1974 undefeated Garfield Bulldog State Championship team, the late Keith Harold. Uh, sorry to everyone about that. Sometimes with the clock running down at the end of the show, I just get talking too fast, stuttering and stammering, or making bonehead mistakes like that. I probably won't cut back on the Bacardi coffee, but I promise not to blow a .09 on the air again. Fair enough?
3: There, sounds fair. Sounds fair.
2: Right on. Look, moving to the Seahawks, John Clayton, the station is running a promo that begins with a great call by Steve Rabel, what a way for it to, to finish for the Seattle Seahawks uh, this time last week, despite their six and ten record, they were the defending NFC West champs, and then went down to Arizona and played like it by pounding the Cardinals into the turf of State Farm Stadium and uh, flipping the script for the Rams to get that NFC West title belt. Now I know the NFL is calling this Super Wild Card Weekend, but to me, it's Wild Card Weekend plus one. Weekends end on Sundays. Now. A weekend can start as early as Thursday, Wednesday if you're in Vegas, but weekends end on Sunday. So if you would tell Roger Cadell that for me, John Clayton, I'd appreciate it.
3: Okay, I'll do that.
2: (laughs) Look, the wild thing about the NFL playoffs starting today, John Clayton, by January 15th, nine of the first 12 Super Bowls had been played, and Super Bowls 6, 5, and 10 were played on uh, January 16th, 17th, and 18th. Uh, you're the professor, you do that already. Look, as for today, John Clayton, despite playing the last game of the season that went a full overtime, having to travel across the country and play the first game of the playoffs, I like the Raiders over the Bengals because, as Raider Jim alluded to, they've been in playoff mode uh, pretty much the last four games to get into the playoffs. Put me down for the Raiders, or excuse me, the Patriots over the Bills and the Buccaneers over the Eagles just to keep the possibility of a Belichick-Brady Super Bowl, in the words of Teddy KGB, hanging around. And since there's nothing like watching Jerry Jones losing his mind in his suite as another playoff game slips away, put me down for the 49ers over the Cowboys and let the hilarious memes start flying around social media. All right, let's hope the Chiefs don't stub their toes against the Steelers because I'm not going to be able to take Pittsburgh falling through a trap door, getting into the playoffs, and then staying hot and winning it all. And lastly, John Clayton, put me down for the Rams over the Cardinals. I just want that playoff monkey to jump off Matthew Stafford's back and hitchhike back to Detroit. You know what I'm saying?
3: Yeah, I I can agree with that. And I don't know if you've been following this, But Josh Weinfuss and some people in Arizona are saying that if Kingsbury does what uh, you just said could happen, lose to the Rams, he could lose Mm -hmm. his job.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to be too bad for him. Yeah,
3: agreed.
2: Agreed. (laughs) Look, shout out to the memory and legacy of Martin Luther King Jr. We commemorate his life by celebrating his birth. My best of Mrs. Clayton. Talk
3: to you, John Clayton. Okay, Commando Dave, thank you. And, of course, we'll be back next week on Sports Saturday. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.